the pandemic, social unrest, the state, and the White House. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. Right now at 106, folks, good afternoon. You're listening to The John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. This portion of the program is watched by the Lodge Pub and Eatery. What are you doing for lunch right now? Pop in and see them right off Route 146, located 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Great meal is waiting for you at the Lodge Pub and Eatery. And folks on this, you just heard the forecast. I mean, it is um, it is so beyond, beyond uh, it's about time is what I meant to say. And, you know, right now, depending on where you are, the temperature and there's good melting going on. Tomorrow should be even more melting. I love this, even if we have to uh, get a little rain in, but. At the Lodge Pub and Eatery, you're, yeah, tomorrow's going to be a, it's going to start raining tonight. Um, the uh, Lodge Pub and Eatery, they have the beautiful new deck there. And I can't wait to sit out there and uh, and, and enjoy friends and so forth. So, folks, again, uh, it's the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. All right, let's bring you up to speed. As I mentioned, um, the situation with... Ukraine is getting more serious. But I want to go to the Today Show did a piece. Hillary Clinton is now speaking out, uh, claims that she spied on former President Trump while he was in office. And I want to hear this is the uh, NBC piece on it. To unproven claims that Hillary Clinton's 2016 presidential campaign paid to spy on Donald Trump. Well, this morning, Clinton's responding. NBC senior Washington correspondent Hallie Jackson has the story. Hallie, good morning. Hey, Savannah, good morning to you. We're talking about a story that has ripped through conservative media, something Donald Trump calls bigger than Watergate. But what's in this actual court filing we're talking about does not back up some of the allegations being made. It would be explosive if it were true. The allegation a political opponent spied on a sitting president. And that's exactly what former President Donald Trump and his allies are claiming. It was worse than we thought because they were spying on the sitting president of the United States. Hillary Clinton's campaign paid to spy on Donald Trump. I liken it to Watergate. But Hillary Clinton now slamming the whole thing as a fake scandal to distract from Mr. Trump's real ones. So it's a day that ends in Y, she tweeted. So what's the reality check? It all started last week when special counsel John Durham dropped a new court filing. Remember, Durham's the guy investigating the origins of the Russia investigation against Mr. Trump. The filing involves a case against a cybersecurity lawyer with ties to the Democratic Party, Michael Sussman. It says a tech executive gave Sussman data about communications between computer servers at the White House, two Trump-owned buildings in New York, and an unnamed health care provider. The filing, describing the executive as exploiting his access to White House data to search for derogatory information on Mr. Trump. Sussman, the filing says, claimed the data showed Trump associates were using Russian-made cell phones near the White House, an allegation the special counsel found no evidence of, and says Sussman turned that info over to the CIA in 2017, according to sources familiar with what happened. Some conservatives seizing on all this as proof someone spied on then-President Trump, blasting what they see as a lack of attention to it. The silence by most of the media is very revealing. But here's the thing. That computer data only showed that different servers were communicating, not what they were communicating about, according to experts. In other words, emails couldn't have been read. Text messages couldn't have been read. They couldn't have even seen the content that was on the screens. The court filing doesn't say when the data collection ended. And that's important because Sussman's attorneys say the special counsel knows it didn't happen during the Trump administration, but instead when then-President Obama was in office. Also keep in mind, the court filing does not allege a crime related to hacking. It also does not say that anybody was illegally spied on. Savannah? Just so I understand, so it actually happened during the Obama administration? That's what Sussman's attorneys are saying, yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Hallie. Now, folks, again, though, um, I I think, you know, Tim Dodd's element of it, an assessment of it, I should say. I think that's that's more accurate. I'm also seeing the views Joy Behar says she will wear a mask indefinitely in public places. You know, my reaction to that is, you know, then then let her. Fine. Um, I I don't I don't have a problem if for people that want to continue to wear a mask. However, I do think it should be optional. 
where where I think um, where I think that we run into difficulties are, are number one, anyone that gives someone who's not wearing a mask a hard time and someone that uh, gives a hard time to someone who is wearing a mask, who is wearing a mask. But I want to hear that. I'm not surprised at that. I am not a fan of her in any way. Uh, this is, I believe, we have sound of Joy Behar saying she's just going to still continue to wear a mask. Maybe she could wear a full mask. Um, but no, I think she means a mask um, indefinitely in public places. There are going to be, be, be people like this. Here we go. Looking to ease Whoopi's back. Mandates by next week if case numbers keep trending in the right direction, which is down. But a lot of Americans are done waiting. Parents in one San Francisco school district voted out three board members over concerns that they weren't prioritizing, really doing the right thing for their kids in school. Some people are warning Democrats that keeping mandates for too long could be political liability, but we're just saying... They're changing the mandate, so that's going out the window. What should the what should we be concerned about, really? Hold on, I don't know why that's playing music like that. But all right, I'll let it finish. Where she then says she would just continue to wear a mask. Right now, personally, personally, okay. personally, I listen to the little voice in my head mm-hmm. that doesn't really follow one hundred percent what they tell me because mm-hmm. they keep changing it. Very short time ago, they were saying... Put you know what? I'm finding that annoying. I want to... Um, let yeah. me find the sound without... I don't know why they dropped that little musical interlude behind it, folks. I apologize. Um, I want to hear this foolishness, but I want to hear it without the little musical interlude that they... For whatever reason. Um, you know, The View also touched on the situation in... Uh, Okay, so this is a the messaging how schools should handle masking. Let me let me play some of this. This is the the view discussing the new mask guidelines. Notice Whoopi's back from her suspension. Voted out three board members over concerns that they weren't prioritizing, really doing the right thing for their kids in school. Some people are warning Democrats that keeping mandates for too long could be political liability, but we're just saying. They're changing the mandate, so that's going out the window. What should the co- what should we be concerned about, really, right now? Personally, personally, okay. personally, I listen to the little voice in my head mm-hmm. that doesn't really follow 100% what they tell me because mm-hmm. they keep changing it. Yep. Right. So, like, very short time ago, they were saying, put the N95 masks on, and, make, and now they make sure it's on. And now they're saying you don't have to wear them anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I, if I go on the subway, mm-hmm. if I go in a bus, if I go into the theater, if I go into, um, where else would I a go? A crowded spot. A crowded yeah, place. Crowd. I would wear a mask. And I I might do that indefinitely mm-hmm. because why do I need a flu or a cold even? Right. And so I'm listening to myself right now. I sort of, li- I mean, I don't think it's 100% yeah. safe yet. No, she said I, I worry about Mike the kids, Pence right? Because we know that there are kids under five that are in preschool that can't be vaccinated. We know that uh, kids from five to twelve are the least vaccinated in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I still worry about them. I mean, there are effects from the Omicron variant uh, that we don't even know about. I mean, Joy was telling me you were reading that there could be some heart type yes, of. They have to look that up. Yes, yes. There, there, there's stuff that they're not sure about. Yeah, they could sure affect about. your health in other ways. Yeah, and yes. so you know, I know. You know, parents wanted kids to get back into school. My, I wanted my daughter to get back into high school. Her whole freshman year of high school was remote. Yeah. That was a terrible thing, and it was very difficult for her. But I'd rather that than have her get sick and somehow, you know, have these effects later on. I don't think we're thinking about the children and the most vulnerable and the elderly. We're not thinking about those. But people. life is risk assessments. That's part of being an adult. And this week, there was, you know, the risk of dying of COVID if you're triple vaxxed is one in a million. That's, That's right. literally the risk. Yep. Getting in a car is one out of a hundred about. The risk for 18 to 49 year olds is lower than that. The risk for kids is even lower than that. And so 
we need to weigh risks. Trade-offs is a basic thing that we teach our graduate policy students at Princeton. And we need to be able to be adults about this. Why should you have to make decisions like this? Why has it, the messaging been so inconsistent that we're all Googling, okay, let me make my own parameters, my own rules. Because what, science when changes do I wear? things. Because science changes things. But science has not been based on science. Oh, I, oh, the masks weren't based on science? It's really, really loose well, science the from the very Republic. beginning. When Come we, on. I, of course, when we were not having vaccines, we needed those. And if you want to wear one, then you wear one. I was, you know... Lysoling my mail but at the very beginning, but now we have vaccines. But there and have been scientific work. studies that show that masking does help the spread. And they will, well, science also shows closely. that you don't have to Lysol your bags anymore. We know. I know that. I know that. that and that so, happening. and so, the the point is. The CDC has been very inconsistent about this. If you read the studies, this is Lauren Wright. It's better than nothing. They're, they're looking at her with, with dagger eyes. Cities that don't have them, and there's no compliance consideration. There's no randomization, and so that's not saying don't wear a mask. It's just saying that the CDC. When I hear them say, "We want you to take the mask off now and grab." For it later. What does that mean? Right. I think that it means an inch back to reality. Yeah. Okay, so I, I think the person who said this best was Dr. Ja. He said it repeatedly. He said, treat it like an it's umbrella and ready when it rains again. But if it's an emergency, how do you mask like you an umbrella? People to act. And that's why I think that the masks, I, I, I break with you a little there. I think we needed them during the Delta. I, I said that. Okay, yeah. I wouldn't yeah. because the, the science during Delta, and I Omicron. do believe. And yeah. Omicron, but, it, but the thing I feel about Omicron now is when we're having blanket policies, I think that's the confusing part because this country is vast. I actually think when you look at the different areas and the vaccination rates, that's where you should be assessing these things. Um, but I also think that we do know, Sunny, uh. I was always concerned with the long haul elements because I do suffer with some mental uh, mm -hmm. issues with depression, anxiety, and mm -hmm. those long hauler symptoms were what scared me the entire time of getting that disease. Right. Now I'm to the point with this, we don't know yet because a lot of things are down the road with what's going to happen next, yeah. whether it's the vaccine, the, disease, uh, the, the virus itself, mm -hmm. we don't know. But what we do know is we have seen a massive spike in suicide among young girls. That's right. Uh, yeah. We've seen overdose on a level that we've never seen before. They're calling that its own um, epidemic. But you have to explain what you are, what you're attributing that well, what it is is when you when you uh, the science i'm not surprised that the messaging has been confusing at all because that is the science changing and to me i do think much of the messaging has followed the science it also doesn't surprise me the cdc was the last one to remove the idea of the mask because i think they are always calculating for the weakest and most vulnerable among us so i don't but think they're can on I remind the everybody that this disease has been politicized by the right wing in this country from the giddy and the left wing how does it, it, how does wow. it Okay, tell, well, tell me how it's science for the CDC to make behavioral and social recommendations. Um, scientists are bad at No, that's not where mask gets like. They're, they get tough questions about why do you have inconsistent messaging? How is it science when I sit down in a restaurant and I'm breathing and I can take it off and then I have to put it on when I'm wearing the bathroom? I mean, these are not consistent are just learning on the job. It's because political in some ways, because it's taking that. into account assumptions about human behavior, which sometimes epidemiologists are not very good about making. It's not consistently applied. I don't understand how that people like children. I just want to throw something in there. I don't understand. Because it one of the things whoopee. that everyone's forgetting is is that we knew nothing about this. Right. So every now five we minutes, do. they're saying it's this, it's that, it's this, it's that. Trying to give you, I'm saying you, I don't mean you, you, you. I'm saying give you the information that you want that will make you feel better so you're not afraid. As well as making sure that they're trying to get the right stuff done. We had somebody here who used to get very upset with people who who said uh, you should be wearing a different kind of mask. Megan McCain. You shouldn't be wearing oh, yeah. a mask. They didn't know. So I, I can give them that. What we do know is before the Omicron was visible to everybody, mm -hmm. everything sort of calmed down. People were taking off their masks. People were doing kumbaya. It was really great. And then Omicron came around. Yeah. It was like... So we all put the mask on. And I tell you, you know, there is no, there is no way. To you know, whoever this Lauren Wright is, apparently she is, uh, has her doctorate at Princeton. And 
I like when they throw someone in who's, you know, everything she's saying is sourced. They didn't like that she threw in the element of, you know, when people on the left. Um, I also just want, I think there's, they even have a discussion on defund the police. I'm looking at people uh, online are so upset that this Lauren Wright, Dr. Lauren Wright, that she was uh, on on the view. I'm trying to find her. Um, yeah, Lauren A. Wright. They um, they're very upset that in fact that she was then the the guest in um, in saying oh boy she's really going after and da 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 and saying that Democrats support I I think they discussed defund the police. Um, <laughs> here we go. This should be on the defund the police. And apparently Whoopi Goldberg is back. The anti-Semitic Whoopi Goldberg is back on The View. Let me just hear this. So apparently she is a professor, I think, at uh, Princeton. So here we go. Let me hear this. Insane that people who don't live in neighborhoods are making all the decisions for who police that's, those That's exactly right. Yes. And that's oh, why estimates are that white liberals are more supportive of defund the police than other I'm going to stop you with that because it's not, oh. white liberals are not more interested in defunding the police. I well, believe people have been very, levels of people been very clear about what mm-hmm. they mean. They no, mean, re- do you have a statistic on that? Do you have well, wow. not because you say white liberals, like, you know, like... No, white white Democrats and Democratic yeah, I'm a white Democrat. Okay. I don't well, believe in... I'm not oh. talking about you, unless you no. took the survey well, with thousands of people. Wow. Let me play that one more... One more time. They don't like how she mentions about who wants to support defund the police. Decisions for who polices those That's exactly right. Yes. And that's why estimates are that white liberals are more supportive of defund the police than not. I'm going to stop you with that because it's not, white liberals are not more interested in defunding the police. I believe people have been very, people have been very clear about what Mm -hmm. they mean. They mean, do you have a statistic on that? <laughs> Do you have an actual number? Because you say white liberals, like wow. No, white white Democrats. Wow. Democrats. I'm a white Democrat. Okay. I don't well, believe in. I'm not talking about you, unless you no. took the survey well, with thousands of people. You know, I um I give her a lot of credit. She is Dr. Lauren Wright, and apparently a professor at Princeton. See, they don't they don't like that type of thing. They don't like anyone that kind of uh, goes against the grain. Boy, I like her saying it really seems to be white liberals. Let me also just hear this person put out. uh, They debunk her dubious right wing talking points. A lot of women of color don't like this Lauren Wright, who is um, a professor, I believe, at, as I said, Princeton and has her doctor Ph.D. All right. The audio is not that good. All right. So we'll skip that. Um. Here we go. Uh, girls, please stop talking the Lauren Wright that's edition. exactly right. Yes. And that's oh, why estimates are that white liberals are more supportive of defund the police yep. than I'm going to stop you with that because it's not, <laughs> white liberals are not more. <laughs> I'm going to stop you with that, says the anti-Semitic whoopee. My goodness. Lauren Wright on The View says masks don't work. I liked, she was really challenging. It's Hold on, here we go. Because science changes things. But this has not been based on science. I, the masks weren't based on science? It's really, really loose well, science from the very beginning. When, I, of course, when we were not having vaccines, we needed those. And if you want to wear one, then you wear one. I was, you know, Lysoling my mail but at the very beginning, but now we have vaccines. But there have been scientific work. studies that show that masking does help the spread. And they will. Well, the science also shows closely. that you don't have to Lysol your bags anymore. We know. I know that. I know that. that. And that's so we've the, learned the from is, it. The CDC has been very inconsistent about this. If you read the studies, they're correlational. It's better than nothing. They're. Com- Comparing cities with mask mandates to cities that don't yep. have them, and there's no compliance consideration, there's no randomization, and so that's not saying don't wear a mask. It's just saying that the CDC, when I hear them say, 
We want you to take the mask off now and grab for it later. What does that mean? I you know, she is exactly right. I want to give her a lot of credit. Folks, again, good afternoon at 125. Uh, you're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. This portion of our program, hey, don't forget about... Um, Stop in and see our friend John Francis at Competition Shooting Supplies. Folks, now is the time. He does have good inventory. He has both uh, firearms and ammunition located 435 Benefit Street in Pawtucket. You take the last exit in Rhode Island and follow past the Attleboro train station and then at the intersection of Newport Avenue and Benefit Street. Hang the left and you'll find yourself right there at Competition shooting supplies uh john francis also he posts a lot of the merchandise that he gets on um on facebook so i want to um i also just want to follow now the latest with uh the situation in in ukraine is is obviously very serious but i also just want to follow some people that are commenting about attorney general peter narona will not allow this merger to go through. I'm seeing, um, despite political editorial support, showing bold leadership for lifespan, Care New England merger. Antitrust issues mean very difficult and not impossible to overcome as they have been for over two decades. This, this was um, a big announcement today that Attorney General Peter Narona has in fact rejected that. But situation with Ukraine continues to heat up. Let's see. U.S. is warning Russia is trying to create a pretext for imminent invasion after shelling in East Ukraine. Richard Engel says the stage is set for potential conflict. The question is what will start this potential war? So um, this is pretty good. Richard Engel on uh, MSNBC. Again, he's over there. This is interesting, folks, because without question, they're looking for something to start a war. Let's hear this. On the ground today in Ukraine, we've got, first of all, there's been a couple of developments. The Russians officially uh, accused Ukraine of, of some violations uh, with the United Nations. Obviously, there appear, the, the U.S. believes what's happening on the ground appears to be an attempt at a false flag. What are you hearing? What are you seeing? So the stage is set for a potential conflict. You have 150,000 plus Russian troops and, as Courtney was saying, aircraft, missiles, all positioned around Ukraine. Uh, the question is, what will what will start this potential war uh, that the president thinks could start in the next several days? And uh, it goes down to a pretext. R- Russia has been building a case that the the this, this is all uh, hysteria, that it is Russia that faces. A, uh, a real threat and that it is Russian, uh, the Russian speakers in this country who are facing a potential genocide, to quote Vladimir Putin, from the Ukrainian government. This is the narrative that Putin has been telling his people, has been trying to tell the world, that the Russian-speaking population here, and particularly a group of Russian-backed separatists, are persecuted by the Ukrainian government. And this morning, what we saw in the early morning hours here was a, according to the Ukrainian military, a large attack on Ukrainian towns and villages that, that, that started from the separatist areas. So uh, the largest attack from the separatist areas since 2018 with dozens of mortars and rockets fired into Ukrainian territory. A lot of that border area is, is not heavily populated, so it did not cause uh, significant damage or casualties. One kindergarten, Ukrainian police say, was, was damaged, but no children were hurt. And what the Ukrainians are saying is that this is an attempt to to provoke them into a fight, to goad them into a fight, mm. to give Vladimir Putin an excuse to move in potentially as peacekeepers to uh, protect that besieged Russian-speaking area, those uh, that besieged pro-Russian enclave. Now, the pro-Russians are saying that just the opposite happened. They say that it wasn't a, an attack with dozens of mortars and rockets, uh, dozens of mortars and artillery that, that flew from their territory 
into Ukraine. They say it was Ukraine that started it, that they are the ones who are uh, at risk, and they are the ones who potentially need Russian protection. So it is a, uh, a he said, she said, but uh, the Ukrainian government is, is going out of its way and producing evidence and photographs to, right. to back up its claim, while the Ukrainian separatists have not produced any kind of uh, physical evidence. Folks, you know, it's... Um fascinating to watch and again good afternoon at 131 um i tell people you know for all the stories that are out there right now if if war breaks out and it sure seems like it's imminent if it breaks out um and we somehow get involved here that that just alters everything i i and it all kind of um you know, if you're Putin and you have built up this military and you want to demonstrate to the world how much you have rebuilt the Russian military and you're looking almost like for an excuse to use it. Putin is 69 years old. You know, what, does he wait till he's 70 to to make it a move of aggression? He sure seems like he is ready to go now. But my point is. Biden and Harris are so vulnerable right now. The country is not united. So much fighting back and forth. Um, the spirit of the military has been dampened under Biden-Harris. I, the, the, President Biden does not have the country prepared to have to go to war in any way. And... You know, it starts, we start sending the troops over, and then some more troops get over. And, you know, I believe, look, look at how Putin is, is telling the Americans to get out of, to get out of, uh, of Europe. And what this is going to do in, in all different facets. I, this is a very, very dangerous road that, that is happening right now. And you have to, you know, do we, do we really have the the best team on the field. Um, I want to go again. This is um, General John Allen talking about the Russians' aggression. And maybe it's not going exactly the way they wanted. Again, this is with uh, Chuck Todd uh, just a short time ago. I want to hear this. There are exit ramps here for Putin if he wants them. And in fact, he's in some ways... Whether we want to admit it or not, this pressure campaign has worked to a point where there are a couple of, if he wants to take an exit ramp, declare some form of victory, he can. Uh, why do you think he hasn't taken it yet? Well, I think he's hoping to position uh, the United States uh, and our allies uh, to make potential security concessions to him ultimately in the, in the context of the security architecture in Europe. I think he had hoped ultimately to unsettle NATO. And as uh, Secretary Austin just said, it's strengthened NATO. I think he had hoped to unsettle the, the sense of Europeans about its relationship to NATO and the United States. And in fact, what you've seen is pretty dramatic leadership from the United States, along with our partners in Europe, in creating a really solid uh, front with respect to uh, Russian uh, uh, provocations and this completely Russian-contrived uh, crisis and emergency. Remember, Ukraine is the innocent bystander here. Uh, and this is a Russian crisis that has been created for his purposes. Uh, and we have to be resolute in this process. And Ben said it well. There are a whole series of sanctions that are out there that can be brought to bear. But I think Putin never imagined uh, that, uh, that this could backfire in the way that it has in creating solidarity, and creating American leadership uh, in the aftermath of the last uh, administration and American support for NATO, uh, we may well see with American troops streaming to Europe by the thousands, we may well see, according to Jan Stoltenberg just yesterday, the establishment of battle groups on the eastern frontier of NATO that uh, never needed to be there before. But Russia's threat to the eastern frontier of NATO may in fact create uh, not just a, a greater resoluteness, if you will, in NATO, but also action now to defend the NATO uh, area. You know, folks, either way, you're, you're dealing with a killer, uh, an international gangster. Um, you know, it's, it's been reported just how much money he has, how much resources he has.
Um, hopefully, what the uh, analysts just said is true. That maybe that the NATO actions and the actions of of our military and military leaders are intimidating him down. But, I mean, let's just be honest. There's no way that the American people want to get involved in a war with Ukraine. I mean, I, that's something I think we're... No, excuse me. When I say with Ukraine, I don't mean with Ukraine, but I mean because then Ukraine is involved with the Russians. It's hard to overlook. And again, folks, good afternoon at 136. You're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. I come back to, you know, the opening of the Winter, Winter Olympics. Putin was there. Had a private meeting. We discussed this with Donna Perry the other day with President Xi. It certainly seems that there was a different mission involved. And what will China do when the games end? When these disastrous Olympics that no one is really watching, when when they finally do come to an end, I don't I don't know where this is is going to uh, lead us, folks. Right now at one thirty six on this Thursday, I want to remind you: uh, check the website tobitro.com, which is brought to you by the Centerdale Revival Comfort Food Cocktails. They're waiting for you. Shane runs a great place. If you haven't been there, I encourage you to stop in. Uh, today, hey, tonight, tomorrow, this weekend, Centerdale Revival, 2025 Smith Street in North Providence. Plenty of uh, safe, free parking over there, but it's um, it's got a great crowd. I really like it there, and the food is great, and the service is great at the Centerdale Revival, 2025 Smith Street in North Providence. So, folks, and there's a link on the website, uh, dipetro.com. Folks, right now at, at 137, I just think... Um, there's several things. The popularity of the Democrat Party is is really under attack right now, really under attack. I think it's interesting. Mask rules turn political liability. What you're also going to see a lot of the what's going on with the Democrat Party is it's not that that they want to stop with the mask. It's the polling is showing that. That independent voters don't like all these mass restrictions. That's that's what's what's really going on, right? It's it all has to do with the polling that they're doing. But if you've heard, right after Governor McKee, Rhode Island Governor Dan McKee, right after he announced that March fourth, so next week, just so you have an idea, next week is school vacation. So next week the kids are out of school. They come back. The week of the 28th, students in Massachusetts no longer have to wear the mask. In Rhode Island, they have to wear it starting February 28th until Friday, March 4th. And then I believe in the governor, Governor McKee has said after that it's mask optional. Providence, it's not mask optional. Certain communities, it's not mask optional, but most communities are voting to go mask optional. But make no mistake about it. That the Democrat Party, when Governor McKee announced that, almost, you know, unifiedly across the board, his, the other candidates running for governor, Secretary of State Nelly Gorbea, progressive cooperative person Matt Brown, Helena Folks, who is the former CVS executive, they were, they were all by and large like, oh, it's too soon. Oh, you got to be careful. Um, I, I've mentioned, you know, this Helena folks, all these people campaigning with the mask on. Um, I think that will also really start to open up the campaign season quite a bit. Because right now, I mean, admittedly, um, it's difficult going up to someone's door and you're in a mask. I also want to play, boy, the real big news of the day is Attorney General Peter Narona has uh, stepped forward and rejected the Lifespan Care New England merger. And I know that the unions are very upset about it. So Channel 12, Ted Nisi, he has followed this, I would argue, as close as anyone. I want to play the uh, piece that they have on this. Oh, unless, don't tell me they just did the his announcement on it, that he's uh, objecting to this merger. 
bit. It's been going on for quite quite some time. So I thought they had a package on it. I apologize, folks. Um, I thought they had it. Maybe they don't have it. Juan could be wrong. He, um, you know, he had a full team working on this. He feels it would be far more dramatic. Um, without knowing all of the specifics, folks, we never want a, oh, they, no, they must have a separate report on it. Because then down below they have Attorney General Peter Narona. So, but him rejecting it, I, I'm also big on that there, there should be a competition. It doesn't help. I don't believe our healthcare system, if then there's no competition and then they have an 80% share of the market, that doesn't, that doesn't sound positive in any way. So I want to hear, this is um, Attorney General Peter Narona. Aggressively and across many areas and service lines. The parties themselves, other providers, and our experts confirm this existing state of competition. So Dr. Jack Elias, who was once, I believe, the Brown, the dean of the Brown Medical School, was tapped by President Paxson as the point person for the university on the merger, described to us in a statement, on, in a statement or elsewhere that Lifespan and Care New England are competing all over the place. They're not the hot dog in the bun. They're competing all over the place. Other hospital systems. Landmark, South County Hospital, they know it. This is what they do. As the CFO of South County Health told us, Lifespan and Care New England strongly compete against each other. And this competition benefits patients. The evidence we obtained from the parties throughout this investigation demonstrates what I've just said. They acknowledge that they compete head-to-head for various services, including What's up here on the screen? Cardiology, oncology, orthopedics, spine surgery, thoracic surgery, and emergency medicine. This is another way of showing the same thing. Dr. Flum, our expert, shows a significant overlap in the inpatient acute care services that Lifespan and CNE offer each other. So basically, what this shows, based on discharges at CNE and a Lifespan on the left, where there's an overlap in the services that they provide based on the discharges of the patients that are receiving hospital care. There is a significant overlap in what they do. They are not complementary. They compete. And that competition, as we've talked about, is good for Rhode Islanders. So if you, if you think about this merger, if we were to approve this merger, what have we done? started in the beginning by saying, look, compared to everybody else who's not involved in this transaction, they already have a lot. Look at those bed numbers. We've already got a ton of those beds. We've already got a ton of the market separately. You put them together, what do you get? Number one, they're not competing with one another. Number two, who can compete with them? Who can compete with them at that point? They're not competing with each other. So you lose all of that competition. We're going to get to that. You lose all of the good effect of that competition between the two of them. Now that they're combined, who competes with them? Look at those beds. Most of those other hospitals don't break 100 beds. Westerly and South County Hospital don't break 100 beds. Kent alone has over 300. Okay. So, again, intuitively, you don't have to be an antitrust expert to understand, I think, the concern here. So what does this mean for us? What does it mean for you and your families? Well, what it means is you're going to spend more for health care. Because health insurance companies, are, look, you know, I, I fight with insurance companies all the time. Those of you who follow this office know we're always objecting to their rate increases. I know, Richard, you follow that. So I have no love, you know, for the way insurance companies raise their rates. It's not personal. I just think they go up way too much. But when you talk to insurers, they know what this means. That their ability to have any leverage in negotiating rates. Remember, those rates are what's passed on to Rhode Islanders. It's going to be very difficult for somebody who has 80% market share. And across the country, over and over and over again, 
Studies show and experts recognize that mergers that result in high concentration, as we have seen here based on these numbers, not, not as an academic exercise, based on the data that I showed you a moment ago, that market concentration, high market concentration, leads to increased health care costs. Uh, Professor Martin Gaynor of Carnegie Mellon testified before the U.S. Senate some time ago, not long ago. And the quote is there. And these studies consistently show that when a hospital, when hospital co consolidation is between close competitors, it raises prices and by substantial amounts. Dr. Flom, our expert hired here by us to examine Rhode Island data, confirms what has happened nationally will happen here. He concludes that the increased leverage means a new system that could increase prices starting out as at least 9%. And we all know that insurers don't eat those costs. Insurers pass those costs on to consumers through higher premiums and out-of-pocket costs. Whether you're buying your health care on the individual market or whether you're a small business or a large one, buying it for your employees. Consumers, small businesses, and employers are all going to have to pay those costs. We have here a quote from a small business owner, which I won't read. Um, it's there on the slide, uh, and, you'll have a cop and you'll have a copy of the slideshow. But his words, I think, echo the words of many small business owners. That as costs go up, my ability to deliver my business to consumers becomes harder. My ability to pay my workers becomes harder. My ability to run my business with the appropriate level of staff becomes harder. The pandemic has made that worse. We've all seen what staff shortages have done to businesses around the state. But this is another example of how high costs harm business. Now we hear uh, about competition uh, and its benefits around price. We hear that a lot. By antitrust, antitrust law is meant to do more than just keep prices down, to keep health care costs down. The DOJ uh, FTC merger guidelines have this, have this statement in them, and I, I commend it to you because I think it, it really captures what it is I'm trying to say. It said enhanced market power can be captured in non-price terms that adversely affect consumers, including reduced product quality, reduced product variety, reduced service, and diminished innovation. But I understand that is a broad and in some ways academic statement. And so we'll channel our inner Missouri and we'll show you what this means. Okay? We'll be the show me state today here in Rhode Island. Okay? The existing competition among these institutions has forced them to deliver better service, better access, better quality to Rhode Islanders. There are a lot of examples. They're in our decision. I'm just going to highlight a few of them for you. Hospital-driven infections, okay? When a hospital here, when Kent Hospital saw its ratings drop relative to that issue, they purchased robots to sterilize their hospital rooms between patient discharges. Why? Because they compare, these two parties compare their ratings. If we're negative to this one, well, we need to react. Our investigation showed that over and over and over and over. They respond to one another. When one's rising, the other one moves to keep up. When one's falling, the other one takes advantage of that to go faster and better. And that makes it better for Rhode Islanders. That's what competition is about. Cardiology services. You know, Kent, uh, you know, a number of years ago, uh, started an initiative to improve its cardiology services. And they started working with Brigham and Women to do so. And as a result, lifespan, recognizing competition in the marketplace, they knew they had a problem dealing with patients, being accessible to patients. And so they took steps not only to improve their cardiology game, but to make it easier for patients to schedule appointments and access their system. Why? They saw danger in the marketplace. Danger in the marketplace is competition, and that competition helps you. Thoracic services can again made investments, and Lifespan responded by hiring a world-class thoracic surgeon specializing in minimally invasive robotic surgeries, better for patients. Does that happen if Kent isn't up in their game? You up your game, I up mine. 
the Yankees get a starting pitcher, the Red Sox better get one and vice versa. It's pretty basic. It's pretty basic. This is just repeating. This slide here just repeats what I've already said. The competition is good. It's good in terms of price, and it's good in terms of quality. You know, there are lots of things that this that putting these parties together. Folks, again, that is um, Rhode Island Attorney General Peter Narona in the in uh, <clears throat> vetoing this proposed merger. And I, I'll say this: Listen, he makes a very compelling argument. I'm not going to profess to know all the ins and outs, but it, it, it certainly seems bold. And I'll, I'll say this about Attorney General Peter Narona. He's a former U.S. attorney. The guy is a backbone. The guy has guts. Peter Narona is different, completely different category than the individuals that are running for governor and the people at the state house. Peter is, you know, he has a formidable reputation. He means business. He is very, very smart. You can hear. It's very thought out well. What a difference between Attorney General Peter Narona, who, as I say, was the U.S. Attorney, and his predecessor, Attorney General Peter Kilmartin, who, when Narona came in, he immediately, like, turned the place upside down. So, um... He's very, he makes a very, very strong argument. I know that the people that wanted that deal, they certainly, you know, they're dumbfounded by it. They're upset about it um, because it certainly seemed like it was just going to be an inside deal. But Narona is, um, is not like that. Folks, at 152, again, good afternoon. You're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. This portion of the program is brought by... The Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. They are waiting for you at the Lodge Pub and Eatery. They have the big outside deck. And uh, inside in the in the lounge is just terrific. It's the, the Lodge Pub and Eatery. So big stories of the day. Up north, heavy police presence. And uh, I'm seeing that the bouncy castle is still being set up at the Freedom Protest in Ottawa. This um, situation up in Canada certainly seems as if it's going to be, it's going to be somehow is going to be um, coming to a head, I think, in the next 24 to, to 48 hours. And on top of that, as I mentioned earlier, you know, the situation with Russia and Ukraine certainly seems to still be marching towards war seems to be marching um, towards war. And, and on, on top of that, the fact that, you know, look at what Russia is doing. Look at what Putin is doing, how he has exercises. He has all his troops. They're not de-escalating. There's more of them coming. They're not. Um, he's not pulling back on troops. They're putting more troops along uh, the the Ukraine border and certainly believes, you know, the U.S. believes that they're going to go through with an invasion. We don't know exactly when, but look at how Putin and Russia, it's, it's kind of a, a twofold attack, how at the same time they want to make it seem as though to their, also to the Russian people, but that, that they're the ones that have been attacked. And want to run that type of counteroffensive that they're the ones that, that it's Ukraine that is showing uh, aggression. You know, in the first hour, we also talked with attorney Tim Dodd, our legal expert. And we talked about that they're looking into this um, no-fly list. Uh, there was a good piece on it. Good morning, America. Let me uh, play a little bit of it. It is a stunning number of cases, considering that this year basically just began. Now this morning, the FAA is calling some of these incidents egregious. In just the first six weeks of 2022, there have been more than 500 reports of incidents like these. Go to the terminal. Okay. Out of control airline passengers like this woman riding away from police on a motorized suitcase through Orlando International Airport after she was denied boarding because she was drunk. (laughs) 
land on an American Airlines plane. A man who tried to open a door mid-flight, held down by passengers and a flight attendant who subdued him with a coffee pot. The FAA reporting nearly 6,000 air rage incidents since 2021, two-thirds of them related to wearing masks. You gave me one warning because my neck pillow pulled it down. In response, the country's largest flight attendants union joined Delta Airlines calling for a federal no-fly list that would ban those convicted of disrupting flights from traveling on any airline. But this morning, eight Republican senators are fighting against that proposal, sending a letter to the U.S. Attorney General arguing that a no-fly list would unfairly target individuals who don't want to wear a mask, citing the high number of infractions related to the mask mandate. The senators writing that the no-fly list would, quote, seemingly equate them to terrorists who seek to actively take the lives of Americans and perpetrate attacks on the homeland. Meanwhile, the Association of Flight Attendants calls that letter irresponsible and political brinksmanship that puts our economic security at risk, along with our lives. Guys, that's true. All right. You know, something, though, needs to be done, folks, with you have someone who is kicked off a Southwest flight and, you know, Let's face it, you're talking about kicked off a flight, trying to open a door, or storming into, or trying to get into the cockpit. So, you know, they basically become, um, basically become, you know, banned from, from riding, or flying, I should say, um, southwest. But they then just turn around and then book a flight on United. Now, some other headlines right now, 157. Vice President Harris flies to Europe to help secure Ukraine border. As Biden stays behind, of course he stays behind. I like the fact that it's making headlines. The Views host Joy Behar will wear a face mask indefinitely. It's not safe. Now, Pat Cordelesa was on the program yesterday, and we were talking about um, the fact that at the Rhode Island State House that they were looking into some of the, the Democrats, especially the progressives, want to have the state move into um, that they, they are upset about the voter ID policies that we have for voting. Folks, as I want to remind you at 158, and again, you're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Um, I, I still maintain that's not how people are voting illegally. There, there are people, there are people that are voting who shouldn't be voting. But however, you have to go back to there are people who are registered to vote who should not be registered to vote. I repeat, there are, there are people, there's, there's no one stopping people from registering to vote. And as we've talked about in this program, the media doesn't cover it a lot, but... In order to keep two congressional seats, uh, the state of Rhode Island went through where they registered, 40, they had 40,000 illegals fill out the census. They spent a million and a half dollars was the budget they came up with. And what's kind of ironic about that is the seat they fought to keep could be falling into Republican hands. But um, the fact is, people are naive if they think that you had over 40,000 illegals fill out the census and then believe that those people are not registered to vote, then you're very, very naive. Folks, again, it's 159. It's John DePietro. I want you to enjoy this Thursday. Hey, it's a warm out. Get out. Support some local businesses. Stay tuned for the 2 o'clock news. And then it's the John Dion program. I will be doing Facebook Live later. And then some rain is moving on with some heavy winds a little bit later. Um, but the good news is we'll get rid, rid of a lot of the snow. So stay tuned for the 2 o'clock news, the latest now. As WNRI, Winsocket, W260DC. WNRI.